Oh, Jeff, get that, get the mini one. I can do that. Yeah, I I need that back. <laughs> what do you mean, what? Why do you need it back? Because it's not leaving my arms until our day when the cup is over. Yeah, so I'm actually on camera, so I kind of... And we're, uh, we're recording too, so this is all live. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Dodgeball Podcast. In this episode, we're going to be recapping the NCDA championships that took place last weekend. And here to join me is uh, Hunter Ford and Colin Sporer. Guys, uh, thank you so much for hopping on. Why don't we just go ahead and get to know you a little bit more. Go ahead and start with some introductions, just like your, your team or role this past weekend. And uh, we'll go from there, and we'll start with you, Hunter. Sure thing. Uh, thanks for having us on, Steve. Um, like you said, my name's Hunter Ford. I'm currently an open director for the NCDA executive board. Uh, I also play elite for the DMV Grizzlies on the East Coast. I'm the former captain and president for Virginia Commonwealth University's Dodgeball Club. And like I said, just happy to be here. Awesome. And uh, Colin? Yep, I'm Colin Spore. Uh, I'm currently the assistant captain and sort of the co-president uh, if you will, for Towson University Dodgeball Club, uh, recently crowned NCDA national champion. Uh, and alongside me, I have uh, junior member Jeff Hayden and the senior captain and former vice president, David Guare. Hello. Awesome. Very cool. Um, well, let me let me start with uh, something I probably didn't ask Jacob last last uh, episode during the precap, but um, you said you're you're the president. Uh yeah, uh, co-president. So what did, what does that entail? Is that like the team captain, or is that because you have to be a um, an organization or club to exist under the NCDA, or how does how does that work? Yeah, so basically for our sport club organization, we need to have. Uh, kind of like an, an executive board to make sure all the off the court stuff gets handled. We have a specific amount of fundraising we have to do a uh, specific amount of community service hours that we have to get taken care of gotcha, uh, gotcha. just to receive funding and receive support from our, uh, from our sport club organization. So I'm basically in charge of all the off the court stuff. Uh, I say co-president because technically we have to, uh, replace our uh, executive board every uh, December. But since our season runs through April, uh, I was kind of the transitioning president uh, to help get the new guys acclimated. Gotcha. Is this Was this your last uh, finals? Correct. Yeah, yeah. I'm graduating uh, in May. Well, congratulations. And what better way to, uh, to see you off, right? I mean, that's... Absolutely. Riding off into the sunset. That and upsetting... Uh, GVSU from what I understand that's that's hard to do so um definitely want to ask you about your your final match and and just find out what's next but um uh let's let me go back to Hunter real quick so you said you're the open director for the NCDA board what does that mean yeah so the NCDA um we have our own executive board that oversees all operations throughout the league um and typically board members will have um either different functions or specialties that they work on or in my case, I act as like an open director, so I assist with the other operations of the other directors. So um, 
really realistically right now are kind of more established positions on the executive board include uh, Felix, who's the president, uh, Mike McNicholas, who is the treasurer for the NCDA, uh, Kevin and Jake, who you talk to are the chief of content and director of recruitment and retention respectively. And then um, myself, uh, Colin O'Brien and Dylan Fettig are all open directors who assist with other operations for the NCDA. So that includes stuff like helping out with planning nationals, um, deciding on like rule proposals, um, working on, you know, our league standings and things of that nature. So basically like, like any other type of executive board with any, with any organization, making sure that the operations of the organization run smoothly. Awesome, man. Very cool. Well, um, well again, guys, thank you so much for, for joining. I mean, it's, Every time I talk about the NCDA um, with Felix and Kevin, I, I get more excited and want to know more about it. And this past week, or yeah, last weekend, uh, when we did the recap or precap with them, I was, I was really hyped. And unfortunately, um, I couldn't watch much, if anything, of it. Um, and it's, it's a shame because I was basically playing Army and, and was just had no signal at all. But um, it just sounds like there's so much that you guys have uh, put together that I really hope that um, we're able to kind of shed more light to it. And ultimately, bring more teams and more players you know, in different regions into the into the fray, so to speak. But um, before we move on, I did want to ask: you said DMV Grizzlies, so that's your elite team, Hunter. That is correct. What does DMV mean? Uh, so the DMV is actually it actually stands for DC, Maryland, Virginia. So it kind of represents oh, cool. the Northern Virginia slash like Maryland area. Um, Colin's familiar with it since he's from Maryland, but that's just kind of like the, what I would call like the slang term for that general area. Since our team is made up of mostly Virginia and Maryland based people. Gotcha. Not the department of motor vehicles as many people would <laughs> yeah. assume it is. I, my mind went there at first, but I figured there was, there's probably more to it than that. Um, yeah. Okay. Very cool. And yeah, um, yeah so that's, yeah. No, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. That's just like the regional name for that area so anytime you hear that now you'll know not to just assume the department of motor vehicles though someone could very well be talking about that one as well gotcha very cool all right and then um david guay uh guare david guare right that's how you pronounce it yes that is it and then uh jeff hayden so you guys are uh not to shorten you guys at all but you guys were players for a thousand um, are you guys involved with any club activities or do you play dodgeball outside of uh, NCDA currently? Um, currently, no. I don't think my arm would uh, like that very much for my overall health. Um, but currently, I guess, I guess not currently, formerly was the head captain of the club and vice president. Nice. Uh, this is Jeff Hayden. I was the secretary this semester, but mostly Colin did all the work and just told me what to do. And I sent the emails I had to. And guys at the community service events that we need to be at and i'm not playing any dodgeball tournaments outside of uh, the ncda fair enough very cool um well before we get into like just the recap itself uh, i did want to ask because we kind of talked about it kind of heard about it but where, where's the trophy at i saw your, yeah, your makeshift so, one but so we live in an apartment that's right across the street from uh the current president and the current assistant captain's apartment so we kind of, we had it last night. Uh, we had it about 15 minutes ago, <laughs> and they asked for it urgently. Yeah, they really wanted it, and 
we decided to share. But we did give him this little – we walked over the big trophy. And we had this little guy inside of it that we made for him. So we walked over, we gave him this little thing, and uh, we basically tried to tried to hit him with the deke. But we gotta we gotta share it. I mean that that's that's fair. Um, I mean, shoot, did you guys pretty much uh, stopped uh, what a seven peat? Looking at uh, uh, yeah, uh, that was our first ever uh, national championship in school history. That was our first time getting past the uh, the quarterfinals in school history. Uh, so after three years of uh, of losing in that round or the uh, or the round before. Uh, to be able to stop Grand Valley from winning a seven peat on their own court uh, is is something that we're gonna we're gonna remember for the rest of our lives. One of the things that I thought was really cool about um, talking um, about the precap was just how many times I heard Towson mentioned. Um, it really sounded like you guys were I don't want to say the um, the underdogs, but you guys were like the favorite to to give Grand Valley you know a, the best shot at at beating them and. Um, if I was able to tune in, I would have absolutely been following you guys, thinking, okay, this is the team that's going to upset the seven Pete. So it's really cool to see it actually happen um, in, in real life. So let's um, let's kind of double back real quick and then just kind of talk about, um, and we'll start with you, Hunter. Just what was what were your thoughts uh, overall um, with this past uh, championship? Did it did it exceed expectations? It, is it pretty much par for the course with previous ones, or you know, now that it's over with, how? What are your thoughts? Yeah, um, actually, just to kind of plug plug a little bit of extra knowledge about myself too. So, like I said, I used to be the president captain for VCU's team, and last year VCU hosted uh, nationals at the Siegel Center, and I was the director of nationals for that. Um, and so, coming from that perspective. Um, realistically, like there were a lot of things that we did this year for nationals, which have never been done before, um, which I think were a really huge positive step in the right direction for the NCDA. Um, realistically, the biggest thing was partnering up with Mad City and helping live stream our bracket play on Sunday. Um, Mad City, their entire crew did an excellent job of uh, providing us with quality footage along with even including a professional commentator to assist um, some of our some of our um, staff uh, with commentating games and I think the production quality of it was pretty was substantial it was substantially better than we've had in years past where um, typically we're just dealing with you know iPhones and GoPros now we've got you know courts that have multiple camera angles covered and like I said more legitimate live commentary and that sort of thing and um, that's really going to help us a lot going forward because now we're going to have, you know, better footage to be able to show uh, potential teams what we're all about. We can, you know, also, you know, help showcase our style to other people's other people's uh, dodgeball leagues as well, including groups like Elite or WeHo um, or whoever. Uh, so that was really one of the biggest things. Um, also wanted to give um, props to uh, Greg Zerlick. Uh, he was hired as a student photographer for the event, and he had some really outstanding photos um, for for it. And I know that a lot of our um, a lot of our players and fans really appreciated that, especially the Towson guys, because he seemed to have a lot of photos of them. So I'm sure that they enjoyed that. 
Um, but yeah, overall, I would say that this Nationals, given the budget that we decided to put together for it um, and everything that we were able to put together from a production standpoint was done really well. Um, Brandon Meisel did an excellent job organizing the events. Um, I would say that Felix, who has uh, been in charge of the schedule for um, his entire time as president, did a great job creating the matchups for Saturday in order to provide the most competitive games. And um, it really showed with a lot of the scores and outcomes that we had. So overall, definitely a very positive um, NCDA nationals. And I would dare to say, you know, realistically, it's one of the best that we've ever had. That's awesome. Yeah. And when, um, when you guys announced that Mad City was, was covering you guys, it was, um, it, it was just it's always a win when you see a, a high production dodgeball event um regardless of who it is whether it's elite or um ncda or um any other any of the others that would um that follow suit um did that freak you guys out at all it's walking in and, and seeing like a production crew or and maybe that's more towards uh actually go ahead Andrew. um did that change the scene at all or, or change like the feeling of it yeah, I would I would say so. I mean, like I said, traditionally speaking, you're talking about a league with a bunch of college students who, uh, you know, use you know are using iPhones and Facebook Live and GoPros and that sort of thing. Um, you know, you know, one don't necessarily have access to the same resources that you know all other um, professional leagues might have, and so. When we first, you know, on Saturday when everything was getting set up and um, put together, I mean, it was definitely a shock and awe of like, wow, this is this is what a legitimate broadcast is going to look like. And we did a test run of the last we did a test run of the last games of the day on Saturday in order to prepare for Sunday, and uh, we were just like I said, blown away with um, the quality of product that we were getting from them. So. Um, we pretty much knew immediately, like we had made a good decision to try to bring them in and help help us out with the event. That's awesome. And what uh, what finals is this for you? I mean, you, both as a player and as somebody on the outside, like which how many have yeah, you attended? So, um, this would be this would have been my fifth nationals. Um, the last four was spent as a player. Um, this one, I was like I said, an open director and helping out with running things along with. Um, helping coach VCU's team as well during their uh, tournament run. Gotcha. So you've definitely seen a lot of progression, I would imagine, um, in the past five years uh, for these finals. Yeah, absolutely. Um, my freshman year, uh, when we held it at Western Kentucky University, there was only 16 schools um, that participated in, uh, in the NCAA Nationals. And also that was on top of only real only having about 20 teams in the entire league now where we stand where um we had um 22 teams participate in nationals on top of at least 31 teams who play who actively participated in games um and realistically we're looking at closer to about like 36 37 teams who are actively in the league right now um I mean, the amount of growth has been absolutely tremendous um, from that standpoint. So um, a lot of progress in the right direction for a long time. And that's thanks to uh, leaders like Fel uh, guys like Felix, like Kevin, like Jake, um, who have done a lot and put a lot of uh, blood, sweat, and tears to get the NCAA to where it is now and uh, where it will be going forward. That's awesome. Always improving and 
all all this built up so uh so Colin and Co can come in and and, and take that trophy. Um, <laughs> let's go to you, Colin. So did 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 it freak you out at all seeing this setup? Or I mean, what were your what, what was it like for you guys just going into this 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 tournament? Did you guys first of all think um, you had a, you had a shot to win? Uh, I was confident that we could bring it home. Uh, I knew that Grand Valley was a good team, but uh, after seeing them a couple weeks before nationals, uh, I knew that if we played uh, our best dodgeball, that uh, that they really couldn't they couldn't hang with us. And it was definitely a nervy first couple of points for sure. Uh, just because we didn't have that experience and they did. But I think as soon as we settled down, we, we made a few good throws, uh, and eventually took that first point right before uh, halftime. That's what ended up making the difference and gave us the confidence to get, uh, two more in the second half. Gotcha. And what, what was it like coming in on, on Saturday? Like just from the, from the onset, just walking into, you know, the, the venue and, you know, getting all dressed out and, and ready to play. Like what was your team mentality at that point? Yeah, so we had taken some very uh, sketchy cabs uh, to get there Saturday morning, uh, to say the least. Uh, but walking into the gym, seeing all of the Grand Valley logos, walking past their trophies and their championship banners and all of that, uh, just added a little bit of fuel to the fire uh, and just made us want it even more. Or just insult to injury considering you walk into their home and, and take it from them. Mm-hmm. Man, what a Absolutely. setup. Um, I don't know. Um, I'm going to ask, what uh, what championship was this for you, Colin? Or what finals? Uh, yeah, this was my fourth nationals. Uh, all as a player. And uh, the final one as well. Same for David. And this is Jeff's third. Yeah, yeah Jeff's third. Gotcha. That's too cool. So let's let's go ahead and get into. Uh, pretty much like the tournament itself um and we're starting from saturday and if i understand correctly this is where teams can kind of choose their players and we'll start with you hunter um what was it like for for vcu um on saturday like what, what did your team look like going into the into the tournament so uh actually a couple of interesting things with us there so um the trip from uh from richmond virginia to what is allendale michigan about 14 hour drive. Um, so a lot of our guys left, uh, Friday morning, uh, to try and get there at a somewhat reasonable hour in order to get some rest and whatnot. And, uh, I know that you, and I know that you had already covered this with, uh, Felix, uh, Felix, Kevin and Jake, uh, last week, but NCDA games are 12 v 12 and you're allowed up to six subs. So 18 player rosters, and VCU <laughs> traveled with only 10 um, this past weekend. And um, a lot of people weren't able to make the trip for uh, various reasons. Um, you know, when you're a club sport, the term student athlete is probably about, you know, 100 point font on the student part and about an eight point font on the athlete. So you've got guys who've got to take care of their own business and, you know, can't necessarily enjoy the luxuries of, um, you know, being able to travel to nationals if they have their own other prerogatives to take care of. So right. BCU is traveling undermanned uh, for the entire weekend. And I would argue we probably played one of the more difficult schedules in terms of uh, we had a lot of really tough opponents to play. Um, 
we had to play. Uh, we started off our day playing against Kent State University, um, who has been a long time, who for a long time has been a pretty big power within the NCDA. They're one of the original founding members of the league, so they have a ton of experience. Um, then we followed that up by playing Penn State, who was an East Coast rival of ours and who had been on a pretty good hot streak leading into nationals. They had uh, gone 4-0 and in their previous tournament coming in. And then our last game on Saturday was against Central Michigan University, who was number three in the country. Um, so we had, a pretty, we had a pretty tough slate ahead of us. And like I said, it didn't help that we were undermanned. Um, but in those three games, VCU performed uh, extraordinarily well. We actually won all three games by a score of three to two in overtime, which I wish that I could fact check that to see if that's ever happened before. But uh, um, I'll have to take a look at that later. But we won all of our games in overtime. Um, basically, just guys stepping up tremendously well um, when it, when asked to. Um, I would say, without a doubt, our biggest performer, um, without a doubt, our biggest performer on Saturday was Wayne Short. Um, he was captain for the team this year and has been an assistant captain for two years prior and um, definitely been one of the main focal points for our team for a long time. Um, some other guys who stepped up uh, as well, uh, Ike Fleckenstein, he's a sophomore, but um, made a really big name for himself last season um, uh, at last, last year's Nationals. And um, I would say another guy who... Um, really stepped up to the plate and probably had his best had his best tournament. Um, uh, uh, Garrett uh, Cool, kind of spelt like Simon. It's like spelt C O U E L L. If you're trying to type that out, I can see on the keyboard. <laughs> um, but Garrett had one of his better tournaments of the year as well. So a lot of guys stepped up in big ways in order to make some of those performances happen. Um, and uh, like I said, it, overall, it was a very successful Saturday play, which helped earn us the sixth seed going into bracket play. And you did this all undermanned. You're down two people. Yeah. And I mean, for, you know, guys who have played elite before, you know, you understand playing undermanned in any type of, in any type of dodgeball event is, you know, not exactly a recipe for success. But like I said, our guys handled the adversity really well and stepped up even when, you know, they were, you know, had a lot against them. So I was definitely incredibly proud of them. Yeah, it's it's not ideal playing uh, one player down or, or, you know, two or however many. It, it definitely hurts, um, especially in, you know, something as, as high inten- – with a, such a high intensity as, as the finals. Um, I, I totally feel you on the, um, you know, the student first, athlete later type deal and, and letting life kind of get in the way of, of, of dodgeball. Unfortunately, that's, that's something that – is shared on the elite side, as I'm sure you know, uh, with your team. But um, that, that, it's still pretty awesome that you guys, I think, what, you placed ninth overall, you tied for ninth when all was said and done? I'm looking at yeah, the uh, we uh, unfortunately, Yeah, unfortunately, the 10 member, the only 10 members really kicked us in the butt when it came to Sunday. Um, we just were completely gassed. Um, like I said, Wayne... Wayne Short was a really big focal point for our offense, and he took a lot of heavy burdens throwing. And I mean, his elbow was not his elbow was not nearly close to 100 percent when we played University of Maryland. Um, and uh, you know, not to say that not to say it was all 
you know, a matter of us not being, you know, healthy and deep. Maryland played an outstanding game against us. They know that we are um, primarily a catching team. We focus a lot on that, and they kept things out of our wheelhouse and avoided giving up any easy opportunities to catch against us and essentially forced us to try and play offense to beat them. So um, they knew they knew exactly how to play us, which is to be expected because they're an opponent that we play pretty frequently. But, um, you know, even with, you know, even with the unfortunate first round exit for us, like I, like I said, I was very proud of our guys and, um, you know, to get, to get the wins that they did on Saturday was a really big testament to, you know, how hard that they had worked in the coming months leading up to nationals. So, um, it is what it is. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, will you be back next year as, as a coach or will you have some kind of involvement with this team? Yeah, I live, I, I still live in Richmond, Virginia, um, I work, I work here and, um, I'm going to be involved with the team for a little while. Um, mostly kind of on the game, uh, on like the gameplay side and, you know, making sure that the new guys get acquainted to, you know, collegiate dodgeball as quickly as possible. Um, one of the things that I've noticed is that typically the best teams have one of the best alumni support. And so any way that I can, you know, help continue the legacy of VCU and make sure that they're prepared for the future, I would say, you know, reflects well on um, not only myself, but, you know, the other alumni who have been dedicated to helping them out as well. Right on. Good stuff, man. Um, And I don't know if we, if we covered this, but did you, as a, did you guys as a team get to choose who you played against or who you wanted to? Yeah, and there's a there's a little funny story behind that as well. So, um, so, uh, uh, and I again, I know you guys kind of talked about this with um, with uh, Felix and uh, Jake and Kevin. So, typically, how like the schedule gets set up for nationals is um, you play your Saturday, you play three games. Uh, typically, how it works is you'll play one opponent that you requested. You'll play against an opponent that requested you and then you will play against an opponent who is considered in your caliber or um essentially like a similar rank as you so the idea is to try try and keep as much of a balanced schedule as possible um so for us um we requested we actually requested central michigan who was number three in the country and The, the reason that we did that was, um, I don't know how much you look at our uh, website at all, but um, every month, uh, Kevin and Jake do their own power rankings. And um, Jake, who is a, C- he's a CMU alumni, um, has been pretty critical of VCU's team um, <laughs> all year, you know, for better or worse, sometimes earned, sometimes not. And as a result of that, our guys had a really strong desire to beat his alma mater. And, um, you know, it, and that play, that played a lot into, you know, that decision to request him from Michigan. And I mean, it paid off, you know, for us with, with the win. So, you know, that was, that was kind of an interesting thing story behind that one. Um, I know that Penn state requested us as well. And I think it was a, it was a good thing to get an opportunity to play Penn State because they're another they're an East Coast team that um, at least during my four years playing with VCU we had always played during the regular season but this year just due to circumstances we never got a chance to play them so um, that was it was a good opportunity to be able to play them 
And um, I also mentioned playing an opponent that was in your caliber with Kent State. And Kent was a team that we played back in February um, at the University of Akron. And we had a three to two overtime uh, win against them back then. So uh, we were pretty much set up to get a lot of really competitive games. So um, it was really exciting to see that type of schedule laid out before and for us. Nice. So you guys definitely got your money's worth, for lack of better expressions. Um, yeah. Poor Jake. <laughs> I just made this comment, like, rest in peace, Jake, because he, uh, I don't want to say he got dumped on during the, the pre-cap, but with Kevin there, I, I think there was definitely a lot of jabs that were, were taken at his, at his expense. And then the fact that we're talking about you guys defeating his alma mater, uh, if he's listening, he's probably going to be upset. But um, I think it's all... It's all funny, funny games, but um, let's. Um, yeah, I mean, well, uh, I'll, you know, realistically, I know Jake. Jake expects a lot out of, um, you know, some uh, a lot of member teams in the NCDA, and I don't think he necessarily, um, you know, made his comments about VCU with the intent of trying to put him down. I think he realized, you know, that that team is capable of more and has seen more out of them in the past years than um, they got out of this season, and so. Um, you know, he just, you know, that's his way of trying to, you know, motivate teams. And I don't think there's necessarily anything inherently wrong with it. And, you know, people will respond to it in their own ways. And like I said, my team took it in a productive manner and said, all right, you know, we want to try and be the best team that we possibly can be. Let's go beat one of the best teams, which central Michigan, certainly one of the best teams. I mean, they were one overtime period away from potentially playing Towson in the championship this past weekend. So, um, you know, big props to them, and they're a great program. Always have been, and for the foreseeable future, will continue to be one. That's awesome. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and this is kind of why it's really awesome being able to recap and precap with with different uh, individuals because it helps me understand some of the more like nuances and um, rivalries, and just it puts more, I guess, like for lack of better words, like personality behind behind the names. So um, it, it's just it's just fun to dive into from from an outsider's perspective. And um, going to 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 Colin and, and going to Towson, what was um, what was your Saturday like? Like, who did you guys play against, or who'd you choose? Who chose you, and what was your like? I guess equivalent. Yeah. So our uh, our Saturday schedule started off with uh, the University of Kentucky. Uh, that was the team we requested to play. Um, main reason was because we knew that Kentucky was they were they're a good team. Uh, they have a history of doing pretty well at nationals, but uh, obviously the the goal for the weekend was to to have a chance to to win a national championship. Uh, and in the end, the Saturday games really don't make that big of a difference when it comes to Sunday. So arm preservation was definitely uh, in mind when we were requesting uh, University of Kentucky. Uh, Second game, I'm not sure if they requested us or if the league put us against them, but it was uh, Saginaw Valley State, a uh, team we had beaten 3-1 to one, uh, at Akron's uh, tournament back in February. Uh, overall, I think both teams uh, went into that game, uh, again, with the same mentality that, you know, it's a Saturday game, both teams want to win, but... Uh, the overall goal is to perform on Sunday. So uh, we just happened to to get the better of them. Uh, we dominated most of the game. We won that game three to nothing as well. Uh, our last game of the day, uh, 
I have a feeling that this team requested us. Uh, it was Bowling Green. Uh, team with a little bit of, I guess, we now have the upper hand on them. Uh, we played them three times last year. Uh, we played them at their place uh, in the first semester. They beat us pretty handedly, I think, four or five to one. Uh, that was probably one of the lowest – uh, that this program has gotten to uh, in my four years was losing that game, uh, getting embarrassed on uh, on their home court. Uh, we ended up beating them at Akron in the spring. Uh, we played them in the quarterfinal round at Nationals. Uh, we went up two to one, two to nothing. Uh, we let the lead slip away. We got to overtime, made a few mistakes. Uh, some back and forth overtime period, and eventually uh, they came out with the win. There were a couple of controversial plays, so we went in this year. We wanted to play them again uh, as many times as possible, and definitely beat them as many times as possible. So, uh, <laughs> so we got to see them three times this year, including uh, including here on Saturday. Uh, it was a close game because obviously, again, we're we're not looking to destroy our arms and tire ourselves out for Sunday, but they're a good enough team where we have to still put in a good effort. We ended up winning that game two to one, uh, very clutch timeout call by Andrew Kerr kept the game, uh, one to nothing, uh, before halftime. Uh, he was being, we had subbed in Jordan Watt who was sitting out, uh, for just for stamina reasons. Uh, we subbed him in when he was the only player left with 50 seconds left. And uh, I believe with one second left before one of their captains made a throw at Jordan Watt, Andrew Kerr, our assistant captain, made a very clutch timeout call before uh, Jordan Watt was hit. So stayed alive. We ended up going on to win the game 2-1, to one, uh, finished Saturday 3-0. and So that put us in, gave us a lot of confidence going into uh, to the Sunday bracket play. Gotcha. So can you uh... – how do, how do timeouts work? Because I don't think we've we've ever covered that with um, when Rebecca and I kind of talked about this, or when we went into it with uh, Felix and, and, and Co. But um, yeah, can you kind of so, like run out how that works? Yeah, so each team gets two timeouts per half. Uh, you can really use them at just about any time. Uh, so in that case, we had saved them up to use them uh, towards the end. We've called the one timeout with. I believe 50 seconds. I was the last player in uh, Colin Mormon had made a catch to get me back in. And then he had gotten thrown out. Uh, I think I'd be, I'd been running around for a couple minutes and we knew we had uh, Jordan on the bench who is a league MVP candidate. So we made the decision to sub him in to keep our, uh, keep our one point lead uh, going into the half. So you can use timeouts basically to, to maybe stop a breakaway, to stop uh, when you have ball control, uh, to stop uh, the other team from getting a lot of balls. If there's a team throw and your team doesn't have a lot of balls and suddenly there are a lot of balls on your side, you can call a timeout to to gain ball control. Uh, but, yeah, there's really an endless amount of ways you can use timeouts in this league. That's crazy. And you can do it right in the middle of the game. Like you can just say, hey, timeout, and then mm-hmm. – yeah, That's captain. Crazy. When a captain calls timeout, all balls are dead if they're not thrown, and any ball in the neutral zone gets put at the 
at the center line and all the balls that are in the neutral zone will go back to the back line for each team. That's interesting. That's cool. Um, yeah, I'm going to dig into that some more later on. Um, does that, uh, does that cause like a lot of chaos or do refs pretty much like they can, they can stop the game without people losing control of balls or without, you know, upsetting other players. Like, especially if I say I have you like dead to rise and about to blast you and, you know, there's mm-hmm. a time does that cause a lot of commotion or, or do teams pretty much like they, this is a standard practice and they're, they're used to it. Uh, I think we pride ourselves on being one of the more strategic teams. I know Andrew Kerr definitely prides himself as to being one of the best timeout callers in the league. <laughs> um, but check yourself. It causes a little bit of chaos, especially when a lot of teams don't expect us to cause call uh, these timeouts. Uh, I know Max Kowalski on Bowling Green was livid because uh, he he didn't feel that Andrew got the timeout off in time, but we all know that he did. So so it can cause a little bit of commotion, especially with uh, with ball control sometimes determining where some balls need to go. Uh, but, yeah, that's that's basically how they work. Gotcha. All right, so before we, uh, we move into Sunday, I just kind of want to do a real quick uh, check on Saturday before we move on, and we'll start with you, Hunter. Just w- were there any other like high-level um, events that you saw or teams or players that you wanted to shout out? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I would say one of the more intriguing um, Saturday, Saturday games um, that caught people's attention which people weren't expecting was uh, Grand Valley State versus Ohio. Um, that was a game where realistically a lot of people probably looked at it and assumed it was going to be an absolute like Grand Valley domination. Um, however, that game actually ended up going into overtime. Um, and really, it was definitely a credit to um, Ohio University's well-roundedness. Um, and interesting thing about Ohio's team. Um, they actually were not able to participate in last year's national tournament for, um, for various reasons. And so they were on a one year hiatus after, um, after participating in national nationals, 2017, um, they were on a one year hiatus. And so just came back to nationals 2019. And, um, they had a lot of people really step up for them. Uh, Caleb Arnold, um, who has uh, been kind of one of the team leaders for a while now and actually was the founder of Ohio University's Dodgeball Club, um, had a lot of really big catches for them, which is really important. Um, Jake Larson uh, has uh, another guy on their team who is definitely uh, their best thrower um, and arguably one of the hardest throwers in the league, save for Jordan Watt, who Colin will more than talk about later. Um, they stepped up in a really big way. And so that game ended up going into overtime and it was three to two and they actually, uh, or Grand Valley won three to two. And actually Ohio did have Grand Valley on the ropes for a minute there. Um, they had three players in compared to, uh, GV's two. However, um, Aaron Kraft from Grand Valley had a very clutch catch, uh, in the corner against Larson to bring back in Brandon Meisel. And, um, they were able to, Grand Valley was able to get off a team throw to take out um, to take out uh, Howman from uh, Jacob Howman from uh, Ohio, 
and then Brandon had a uh, had a great one-on-one against Caleb Arnold to take him out. So um, it was definitely one of the more exciting matchups. Like every to put into perspective, like every other game just kind of stopped playing just so that they could watch the final outcome of that game because um, a loss for Grand Valley there would have had some really big implications. Um, you know, as far as you know the league is concerned. So that was a really important game, uh, a very a very interesting game to watch. Um, another one that I had a chance that I had a chance to watch as well was, uh, Michigan state versus university of Wisconsin Platteville. Um, Platteville, uh, is a team that is very, is very interesting because historically they actually do really well at nationals. Um, but they typically don't get as much attention simply for the fact that lo- geography wise, they're not located about around a bunch of other major schools. Um, so they don't necessarily get as much respect as they as their talent might warrant, and they ended up having a um, having an overtime game against Michigan State, who has been a, has been a traditional powerhouse within the NCDA, and um, they uh, had a lot of really big freshmen step up for that team. I talked with uh, Eric Zander, who is one of the uh, one of the executives for their team, and he said that they had ten freshmen come for nationals for them and in their overtime uh in their overtime six roster four of them were freshmen and um to see them go toe-to-toe with again one of the better teams in the league was something that was spectacular um so that was another that was another really exciting game um another game i want to give a shout out to um was university of cincinnati versus georgia southern which was another overtime game uh cincinnati was a brand new team that just got started this year uh, thanks in part to Wes Peters, who um, is uh, current, who currently plays in Elite Four Notorious up in the North. Uh, he coaches the he coaches the University of Cincinnati, nice. and like I said, it was their it's their first year in the league, and they picked up their first ever uh, win in team history at that game. So want to give a want to give a shout out to them. Um, and then as far as other Saturday games go. Um, I would say, I would say the other, um, one that I kind of wanted to draw attention to, uh, was university of Maryland versus Ohio. Um, so everyone had saw Ohio go toe to toe with grand Valley. And then Maryland had the opportunity to play them immediately afterwards. And, um, Maryland was a team that got kind of overlooked this year by a lot of people, um, and really it was just kind of a matter of they um, didn't they didn't travel at all outside of the East Coast and um, you know not to not to rag on them um, too much but realistically just um, through throughout the past couple seasons they haven't been as up to par as uh, Towson JMU and VCU and so they kind of um, had been getting beaten by them all year and so for them to uh, beat a team in Ohio who just took the number one team in the country, uh, you know, to the very edge was something that was really big to see um, and was um, arguably one of the more impactful games on the day uh, for seeding purposes uh, going into Sunday. So, um, you know, shout out to all of those teams that I mentioned. And, uh, you know, like I said, 
Saturday play, there's a lot of there is a lot of very intriguing matchups. I could probably go on and on with a bunch of other ones, but those are some of the teams that I wanted to highlight and uh, point out. Awesome. Yeah, it's like I said earlier. It's it's just being able to to understand again some of the, some like the the char- characteristics or, or history of, of these teams and and try to get to understand like where, where they're coming from and. You had mentioned uh, University of Wisconsin, Platteville. Like uh, they talked about how I think in order for them to compete, they had to travel like eleven hours to to still have like a like a, a sanctioned um, game to to qualify for nationals. So um, stuff starting to stick, at least with me mentally, and and that just makes me look forward to, to next year um, even more so, and just being able to be like, okay, I remember talking about this team versus that team, where I understand like there's a little bit of a, a rivalry here and there. So and that's awesome. Like you got to love those those you know when the tournament just kind of freezes and everybody's watching like this one matchup just trying to see like what who's going to come out ahead and who's going to you know dent the champion or or you know show that they can bleed or you know again just to kind of understand what uh how how that's going to set the tone so um this is awesome um yeah and actually before before we move on i i realized i Accident. I meant um zach hellman when i was talking about ohio at one point i mixed him and jake Larson together. Jake Larson, outstanding thrower. Zach Hellman um, was another player who played pretty, who played very well for Ohio year uh, this past year. So, nice. Want to make sure I at least get the names correctly. That's awesome because you know, hopefully, you know, a year or two from now, we'll, we'll hear these names more and more on the elite side and be like, oh, I remember hearing about this kid when he was in college, and um, that's really cool. Um, how, how about you, Colin? How about um, any of the, the other matches that you might have noticed or, or can talk about for Saturday or any any high-level things that we might have missed? I'll just say just something a little bit more broad about the league. I feel like there's always that one matchup on Saturday that really draws the attention of everybody. Uh, I think Hunter kind of knows where I'm about to go with this. Uh, last year, <laughs> Nationals uh, uh, in Richmond. Uh, VCU is playing against Saginaw Valley. Uh Hunter and a Saginaw player going 1v1 with basically the entire league uh, watching around the court. VCU was uh, was quite the underdog in that game. Uh, and Hunter, after missing a throw and then a catch uh, that was close to being caught, uh, they were going back and forth. Hunter made a catch, and basically the entire league mobbed him on the court. And it was really just an iconic moment. Uh, big upset uh, and I think this year the Grand Valley Ohio game uh, was the match that really caught the attention of uh, of the entire league uh, and was kind of that signature match uh, for Saturday uh, another point that I'll bring up was just uh, the success of the East Coast on Saturday as well uh, unfortunately James Madison University and University of Virginia couldn't make the trip uh, this year for a variety of uh, region uh, reasons uh, but between Towson, University of Maryland, uh, VCU, and Penn State, uh, they went 10-2 and two on the day. Uh, the two losses, Penn State's lost to Grand Valley, which, uh, I mean, is a pretty significant loss. Uh, and then the loss to VCU, obviously one team had to win, one team had to lose. But that's a, is a very successful showing uh, for the East Coast, and it really uh, – kind of just uh, sign, uh, just boosted our reputation uh, from around the league. Actually, so that's a really good point that um, I'm really curious now. So 
for lack of better words, is, is one region like stronger than the other? Or they're, so, you know, if you look at elite, you've got, you know, east, west, north, south, and um, I'm biased. I come from the west, but I can, I think, can say and maybe backed up on this that west is, you know, considerably the stronger region when it comes to nationals. Um, but what would you say is, is the case for, for NCDA? Because you mentioned, yeah, well, yeah, well, historically, Michigan is going to be the strongest region. Uh, they have Grand Valley, who is the ten-time national champions. Uh, Central Michigan always is a competitive team. Uh, they were the three-time defending runner-ups going into this year. Four-time. Four-time. My mistake. Uh, so. I mean, we also have Michigan State, who is always – I mean, they were the number three seed going into uh, this year. Saginaw Valley has always got a tough team. Uh, I mean, they've got a roster of guys that seems like they've been there forever. Uh, but they, they've always got a tough side. And it, they've just added uh, Western Michigan, who I'm sure in a few years will be able to to gain some talent with, uh, with some recruiting and will be able to be – competitive but i think the east coast really really stood out uh especially with the performances on saturday in maryland being able to make their uh their quarterfinal run on sunday sorry if we're spoiling anything for the next segment but uh i think the east coast really stood out ohio's always got uh a competitive region uh top to bottom well uh personally i would rank it as michigan uh east coast ohio and then the rest of the world. Gotcha. And of course, I gotta let you uh, chime in on this too, Hunter. Like, would you agree, or what would you, what would you put like the regions? Yeah, um, I I don't think anyone could argue that the Michigan region stands out the most. Um, and I, I think it, you know, it actually it fill it fills into a lead as well, um, given the fact that the North um, has all of the best pinch teams. And, you know, they, you know, dominate in that, cra- in that category. And it's because all of them are feeders from the NCDA. So um, the Michigan region certainly, I would say, is the strongest, uh, is the strongest historically, um, both last year and this year, three out of the four final four teams were from the state of Michigan. So I can't take that away from them. Um, on, uh, going, going into nationals this year, uh, 12 out of the 14 national champions were from there. So, you know, all right. Anyways, that's them. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, but, um, and uh, I think one of the things that's like interesting to point out with the East coast is that, um, the East, like the NCDA has existed since 2005, uh, since the 2004, 2005 season. Um, however, uh, a majority of that history has been, um has been teams from the midwest so uh schools like ohio state kent state um michigan state uh depaul they were the early they were the early founders of the ncda so they definitely had a have a longer history in terms of um you know their programs and the first east coast schools didn't enter the fold until uh the 2011-2012 season that's when um the university of maryland Towson University and James Madison University first came into the league. So the East Coast is relative to the NCDA, the young, 
one of the younger areas or one of the younger regions, I, I should say. And so um, to see Towson specifically win the national championship um, is kind of a testament to the growth that the East Coast has gone through in a, in a shortened period of time compared to the rest of uh, our counterparts. So, um, you know, historically, you know, it's hard for me to say that, you know, East Coast or Ohio are too different from each other. Um, I actually, I actually made, I, I divvy a lot in spreadsheets. And so I have a, uh, I have a head to head calculator and, um, matchup thing that I, that I have, which I, if given the chance I can look into real quick to see what the East coast versus Ohio head to head records are. But, um, I would imagine it would be pretty close to 50, 50. Nice. Yeah. That's, um, that's a good point about like, uh, the Midwest kind of being a little more, um, being around a little bit longer and, and, and pointing towards like the East coast being on, on the rise and, and one of the newer, um, regions, I guess, cause that's pretty much the same. Like the West has been around for a very long time. And then we have like the North, which is very, very pinch based, um, trying to transition into, um, six V six with, uh, with 8.5 open, you know, non pinch. And so, you know, it, it's looking like the North might be, this is my opinion only uh, North might be the next contender for who's going to take the, the mantle from the West. But, uh, I mean, we'll find out this year in nationals, how that plays out. Um, again, that's, that's all really awesome insight and just kind of just helps me understand the layout a lot more, but, um, let's go ahead and go in and get into Sunday, um, with, with the bracket play. And then we'll, we'll kind of just focus, uh, mostly for the sake of time, just on your, uh, respective teams, Starting with you, Hunter, and then we'll go into Colin and talk about Towson's journey since um, you, know, you guys took it all away. And then whatever we we don't cover, um, the part two will we'll be covered with uh, with Felix and whatnot. But um, let's um, let's start with you, Hunter, and we'll just kind of if you want to replay um, your match. Um, let's see, Sunday you said you guys. I think we kind of talked about it though. But um, yeah, we're at the um I. You know, actually, I would be, I'd be willing to talk about, um, you know, all of the uh, the entirety bracket, the entirety of the bracket. Um, let me just take a quick second to actually pull it up on my uh, on my end as well. Um, so, uh, actually, in the first in the first round, um, there's a couple there's a couple games that I will highlight. So. Um, well, actually, before I get into that, so um, because there were 22 teams that came, um, it's a single elimination. It was a single elimination bracket. So what that meant was that essentially the top 10 seeds received uh, buys into what would be considered the round of 16. So um, in what would be the first round play-in games. Um, I would say probably the most interesting one there was uh, University of North Georgia versus Ohio State University. Um, North Georgia is a fairly new team. And as you saw from, or as I talked about beforehand, Ohio State, one of the founding members of the NCDA, and North Georgia was able to walk away with a three to two victory that came down towards one of the wane, some of the waning minutes. Um, so that was a really big, big that was a big, really big win for their program. Um, and it was also a nice little upset as well. Um, 
Akron and Saginaw Valley State uh, in the following round, uh, the round of 16, I would say was probably the most uh, was probably the most interesting matchup to see. Um, both of those teams uh, certainly very talented, um, and they also played earlier this year. Uh, Saginaw Valley actually won uh, won against Akron um, at the University of Akron. They forced the game into overtime with one second remaining on the on the clock um, by um, essentially a well-executed team throw to force a guy out of bounds. And then, and then Saginaw ended up winning in overtime. So this was actually a rematch of that matchup from earlier this year, and it was a really exciting one. Um, Saginaw was able to walk away with the walk away with the win, but I think if you have the opportunity to go back and watch that game, you can definitely see the passion that both teams have, and um, you know some of the talent that uh, each of the squads have. So, um, uh, going more so into uh, into my team with our match against the University of Maryland. Um, like I said uh, earlier in the segment, we traveled with only 10 people, and I think it really showed on the second day. Everyone was, everyone was gassed, you know, battling, battling uh, either fatigue or injury. It certainly didn't help that we had to go to overtime in all of our games previously, so a lot of our top players were um, feeling sore and um, – you know, ultimately kind of the, the wheels kind of fell off in that match uh, against Maryland, but, you know, very big credit to Maryland. They were, uh, they were definitely a talented team. Um, and they uh, played an excellent game plan against us uh, going into the elite eight. Um, there were some, there were some interesting matchups. There were definitely a lot of interesting matchups there as well. Um, Grand Val starting with Grand Valley and Saginaw, uh, both of those teams being from the state of Michigan, they have a you know long history with each other. Uh, but Grand Valley uh, really put it, really hammered it home that they wanted to you know go all the way and win on their home court, and uh, they had a really impressive showing against them. Central Michigan and Miami was the four-five matchup, and uh, that game was actually a repeat of um, the first game of the day. Uh, on Saturday, those two teams play, which resulted in Central Michigan winning three to two in overtime. In this case, Central Michigan was able to win three to one. Um, but I would say, really, the biggest, really the biggest thing in that game was we got a chance to see two potential MVP candidates go head to head for Central Michigan. Austin Breggy is a is their one of their captains, and for a long time um, has been a has been a pretty big player for that team. And then on Miami side, Tom Morand um, was an absolute beast in uh, the one point that uh, Miami won. They actually uh, made it a one-one game going into halftime. I think uh, so. Like I said, it's like twelve. It's twelve v twelve, and in that one point, Tom had eight had eight kills. Um, I was recording stats for that one, and it was really impressive to see um, the fight uh, fight in that match. Um, Towson and Bowling Green. I'll let Colin talk about that when he talks about his run. Um, and then Michigan State and Maryland. Uh, interesting one. Interesting thing in that one. Um, so score four to one. But uh, the biggest point of that game was certainly the first point that was played. Uh, Maryland actually had a three to one man advantage um, at the start of the game uh, in the you know in the waning uh, time period of that first point. 
However, uh, Brent Weekland, who um, was a member of Michigan State's dodgeball team, was able to successfully take out three those three remaining Maryland players and seal the point for Michigan State. And I think that gave them a ton of momentum to you know end up leading to a four one victory for them. Um, in the semifinals, uh, Grand Valley and Central Michigan. I mean, you know, three to two score line. You see it there. Went into overtime. Uh, unfortunately. I got suckered into being the head official for that game. So (laughs) I didn't get a chance to spectate it as much as, uh, you know, as much as I was having to be neutral and, you know, officiate the game, but um, just an unbelievable effort from both sides. Um, uh, They were Grand Valley and Central Michigan were the championship game for the past four seasons, which was every single year that I was, you know, a member of VCU's team. So um, it was, I don't know if you want to say unfortunate to see them play in the semifinals because I think a lot of people would have been interested to see if it could have been a Central uh, uh, Grand Valley championship again. But uh, regardless, uh, Grand Valley's just top talent just really showed uh, showed out, especially in the overtime period. It was a very decisive overtime victory for them there. And um, once again, I'll let Colin talk about you know the rest of his run being that Towson's in the remaining two games. So. Um, really just a lot of excellent dodgeball all around. Um, I wish that I could have, you know, talked about more teams, but I don't want the segment to run too, too long for you. So, um, I'll let Colin take it away from there. Awesome. Yeah. I, I appreciate that, man. It's really cool. Cause you know, I'm looking at numbers. They don't necessarily tell like a story or, or explain, you know, how, how fierce, uh, the battles were, um, and looking at these, I mean, with the exception of, I think, Ohio versus DePaul. I don't think a single other team broke broke four points. Uh, there might have been like a five somewhere in here. Uh, but I think that kind of speaks to just um, the overall competition on Sunday. But um, now let's go ahead and, and, and go on to, uh, to you, Colin. Let's start with um, your first match. Um, it looks like it was a pretty decisive victory against uh, Kent State. Did you want to? Do you have any comments on that one? Yeah. So. Uh, the scoreline definitely does not uh, show how close that game was. Uh, I'll start by saying we played Kent State three times in the fall, uh, and we won all of those games fairly handedly. Uh, but we got them on Sunday morning uh, in our first game, and we came out very sluggish. Uh, we had some sore arms. Uh, we actually missed a refing assignment which was very controversial because we did not get them until very late. So we actually received a yellow card. We had our captain, David Guare, having to sit out for the first point. Uh, So it took us a while to get the first point. We couldn't get a point before halftime, so we went into halftime up 1-0. We came out and Kent State absolutely dominated the first first five, ten minutes of the the first point of the second half, uh, they got us down to an eight on one. And, uh, and in my opinion, the league MVP, Jordan Watt, uh, survived an eight on one and sparked us to a comeback in that point to give us a two out lead. And to be honest, I think that very well, uh, sparked our run at, uh, at winning a national championship. So this kid, Jordan Watt, uh, AV one, just yeah, so no, I'll just, just no. I'll kind of give a background on him. Jordan joined uh, when I was a sophomore. 
Uh, so his first nationals with us was my second nationals um, when we played at the University of Kentucky. The kid's got an absolute cannon of an arm. Uh, he can throw. I would. We haven't clocked him with a radar gun, but I would guess he can throw at least eighty to I'd say eighty-three miles an hour. Good God. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you to pause right there, sir. <laughs> Is that uh, you calling shenanigans on that, or? Well, I can I, confirm. I'll say that. As a person who's been hit by many of those balls, <laughs> it's fast, faster than anybody in the league, without a doubt. Does it feel like no, 80 miles an hour? <laughs> without a no, doubt. He definitely has the fastest ball in the league. I would. I would wager we're on, looking. But he just rips them when he's pissed off, and he will. Oh my god. <laughs> Nothing else. The man's. I would wager it's closer to seventy-five to seventy-eight range. I don't still that eighty that eighty mark is very 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 tough to hit, sir. I'd say most of the time he's probably around that range, but his fastest he can get above eighty, guarantee it. Having played baseball my entire life, I'm right there with you in the upper seventies range. If Ray Fair. Franklin threw seventy-nine. Jordan Watt through 81. That's my All right. personal opinion. Man. I, I mean, still, anything above 70 is just insane. Um, and these, yeah. these are pinched throws. I'm, so. I'm here saying only 75 to 78. Um, <laughs> but from 30, from 30 feet away, I mean, that's, you know, you don't have much time to react to that. But, you know, just for the sake of, you know, just for the sake of saying it, I will say greatest moment of my career was catching him out. Um, never forget. Everybody's favorite moment of their career is catching Jordan Watt. But the fact that no, is, I'm just, play, I'm just great, messing with we've him. We've got depth in our team. It doesn't matter if he's out. So people will be freaking out in the stands. doesn't matter. We yeah. keep going. And they just catch him and bring him right back in to the dismay of everybody. Yeah. All right, I'm sorry I had to derail you there. I just wanted to give you. Oh, no I just wanted to bust your <laughs> bust your dodgeballs a little bit there. Of course. Uh, yeah, so I'll get back to along with throwing 81 miles an hour. Uh, he catches just about anything that's thrown at him. Uh, he's a really good blocker. He's got great court awareness, uh, and without a doubt, uh, should be the league MVP this year. Uh, so moving in, so we advanced. Uh, we beat Kent State four to nothing. Uh, we advanced to play our favorite team from Ohio, Bowling Green State University, uh, for the second straight year in the quarterfinals. Uh, so we got to see them uh, for the second time in two days. Uh, I pulled our seniors together right before that one, and I said, "Guys, we're not going to lose this game." Like we're not going to let this quarterfinal funk that's been sticking with this team for the last four years. We're not going to let that be our last hurrah. And that's not going to be the way we're going to end this, uh, end this ride. So we came out, we took a very, very quick point. Uh, that was probably the best point we played, uh, all weekend up to that point. Uh, great communication, uh, great execution. Uh, we really took care of business quickly. Uh, same thing happened in the second point. And throughout the entire game, we were really able to just rotate players, which was huge. Uh, it allowed us to save some arms a little bit for the semifinal game. Uh, but 
I think we use the momentum from the second half against Kent State to really carry us into this game. And, I mean, they grabbed a point at the end, but at that point it was so late in the game that we had a lot of guys sitting out. We had a few guys throwing left-handed just to just to remain uh, 100%. And I don't even think Watt had uh, – he said the arm was not uh, out of the case yet. So, so that's just <laughs> that's just saying something. He was he was saving his arm for for the semifinal and finals. So the fact that we were able to keep his arm in the case for that long uh, and get that far, yeah, that was really important for us. Um, David and Jeff, I mean, you guys are there. Like, what was the speech like? If you can recall, was it very motivating or which speech? The, if you uh, want to go back to the. Um... The Miracle uh, movie. Uh, I think you can get a good uh, good view of what it was we, like. We haven't even gotten that point We, yet. we have oh, speeches before most of our matches, actually, and they're always very motivating. Usually it involves Jeff screaming. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, you said what movie inspired these speeches, or what can you, what can uh, you point sorry, to? I, I, we'll, we'll get I, to that yeah, one. We'll, we'll get to that one a little bit. I, I jumped the gun a little bit. I've oh, for sure. <laughs> well, feel free to chime in as soon as it becomes uh, applicable. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but definitely it was intimidation that won that BGSU game they were scared coming in and then they saw my head and they were just terrified and I caught every <laughs> single ball that was thrown at me yeah I'll, I'll make a point I think Jeff Hayden caught at least 15 to 20 balls in that game they kept throwing at him and kept testing him uh, he would be up on their throw line probably 10-15 feet away uh, for those that don't know the NCDA is a 30 foot throw line so he was just, he was baiting them into throws and just catching everything that came at him. So Jeff awesome. Hayden and his and his Nationals haircut that will be forever remembered. Uh, <laughs> in infamy, I might add. Infamy is a great way to put it. So let's go ahead and move on to um, what is this, the semifinals yeah semifinals because uh, you're talking about speeches and um, you said you might be jumping the gun but um, yeah you guys against uh, Michigan State University what was that like yep so that was our first ever final four appearance uh, in school history uh, we went in and we our opponent, we played them back in February uh, when we traveled to the University of Akron uh, that was our last game of a Four game weekend where we played a pretty significant schedule, uh, and they ended up beating us. That was one of our four losses on the year uh, in overtime. Uh, so a little bit of a revenge factor going into mm-hmm. that. Uh, that was definitely the motivation going in. Uh, and that was our first game on court one on the day. So you had uh, the cameras that were on the court that were tuning into our huddles. Uh, and kind of just the whole experience uh, of being in a NCDA Final Four uh, is kind of what was the motivation going into that. So, I mean, as soon as the game started, uh, we were on the front foot, and it was all gas, no brakes. I mean, pedal to the metal. We were what we we take two points in the first half. Is it two or three? I think yeah, we took three. two points in like the first ten minutes. We took three in the first half. I, yeah, we were yeah, three. nothing at halftime. Uh, and 
you know, we got to halftime and going into the second half, uh, one of the things that David kept saying was we're not going to let up uh, because, you know, just being Towson University dodgeball, we have a history of sort of letting leads slip away. So uh, one of the main phrases that kept being used was still zero, zero. And just to keep pushing through and to keep uh, playing at our top level and not letting Michigan State get any type of momentum because back in February when we played them, they were a team that was fully driven on momentum. Uh, so being able to stay on the front foot, never give up ball control, and uh, just dominate uh, on all aspects of the game, uh, we never let them have any chance of uh, of getting past us. Nice. And this is uh, Rebecca Chapel's Sh- Sh- uh, team, right? That's Yeah, correct. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She showed me a clip of um, there's somebody on her team that I think is just a cannon, and she showed me this. Uh, if I'm looking at it right, um, I can't tell because it's so small. But it's yeah, like Ohio. Probably Pete and Schuster, big, big dude, number 43. Yeah, he, she mentioned it was, it was a big dude, and, and the clip that she showed me is like him just just headshotting the crap annihilating a kid in the face yeah knocks so, his hat off yep i think that's where yeah that's what we're talking about so was that kid a factor in this at all or did your um your depth um, kind of help combat that or i'll give him some credit it looked like his arm was about to fall off uh for the entire game but anything he threw at us we caught and anything that didn't get caught by us was in the floor two feet in front of us. So, I mean, I'll give Peyton credit. He's a great player, but I mean, I think just his fatigue and, uh, and just our momentum and our catching ability, he really was a non-factor in that game. Gotcha. Jeff, just out of curiosity, did you catch any of his throws or if you could recall? Yeah, the first one he threw, that was probably when we started catching momentum in the first point. When we got him out, we got kind of hyped, and then we just we just rolled it. I think David caught him as David well. Caught him right after that too, right when he came back in. Yeah, oh. I think <laughs> he got caught in by on a catch. Uh, he was one of the first players back in, and then he threw a threw a ball at David, and David sent him right back to the sideline. So right now you can go right back there. Yeah. <laughs> um, did the epic speech come here, or did that go into the the finals? Uh, that was that was right before the finals. Uh, so so we were the first semifinal game. So uh, so after our game, we we had a little bit of a celebration. Uh, got some got some more Tylenol. Got some more uh, water. Headed over the bleachers. We watched the first half of uh, of Central Michigan and Grand Valley. And uh, the main thing I told my guys was that we're either going to be playing. Grand Valley, who we already knew are the six-time defending national champions. Either that or we're playing a team that just recently beat the six-time defending national champions. So we knew we had to be ready for that. The tall uh, regardless. Yeah. Um, we, sorry, go on. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so we basically were just – we were ready to play Grand Valley – and just kind of tuning into that one, uh, we we kind of warmed up during uh, when Central Michigan forced, uh, or I guess scored the second point. Uh, 
uh, to make things two to two. Or I, correct me if I'm wrong. Did Central go up two to one in that game, Hunter? It did, and okay. then Grand Valley tied it back up. Okay, so that okay, so yeah, so it, it was tied up at two. So we we're we were on court two uh, on the other side of court one. We could see through the uh, through the dividing wall, and we were just kind of watching the overtime. Uh, and we saw Grand Valley get a couple of a kills and then a catch. Uh, and then I think at that point I knew that it was going to be us and Grand Valley in the final. Did you guys have a a preference of who you played? I mean, would you rather have faced off against uh, Grand Valley or or Central Michigan as this was uh, going down, or did you just say whatever, bring on whoever wants? I'm going to be honest. I wanted Grand Valley. It, it had to be. It had to be them. Uh, it just wouldn't have felt right to go through the entire year and to kind of be like in their shadow and then not get a chance to play them and beat them on their home court. It just wouldn't have felt right. So makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's very uh it's very poetic how this was set up. So let's let's talk about this battle then. Um so at this point um and this was mentioned in in the, in the precap um GVSU I guess they're they're pretty good at pulling spectators. So was there a lot of people in the stands um cheering for them? A lot and a lot of blue in the stands for sure. Uh, a lot of the people, I mean I know a lot of the league uh we've gotten messages uh saying and a lot of people coming up to us like after they had lost just saying, "Hey, like take down Grand Valley." Like a lot of the other teams wanted to see uh wanted to see the dynasty fall. So, and I know a lot of the teams had to leave early cause they had long drives home. Uh, so they couldn't really stay for the finals. So those bleachers were full of, uh, of blue shirts and, and cheering fans. I know we had Jordan Watts parents and David's parents in the stands to be the lone Towson supporters. And there were a few neutrals as well, but, uh, but yeah, it was all, all grand Valley, uh, in the stands against us. And so that just like fuel your guys' passion even more, or did that have like any kind of psychological effect, or you just at that point zeroed in on on the match? Almost none at all, and I'm not trying to say that uh, as in a cocky way, but right. I mean, as soon as we stepped out onto that court, yeah, we there's nothing, no outside factors that are gonna get in our way. It's us and the team that's on the other side. So between the the three of you guys, um, and feel free to chime in Hunter too, based on any observations you might've picked up on, but uh, kind of walk me through that battle. Like what was that like? What was the first game like? Um, big plays, uh, big moments, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Uh, first point, uh, very nervous. Obviously they have guys with four, five national championship games. Uh, under their belt, we'd never been in a Final Four before. So a lot of nerves in that first point. Uh, we were definitely very hesitant to make uh, make throws to eliminate them. We were making a lot of burns, just kind of hoping that we weren't getting caught. And then we were very cautious with, uh, with trying to make catches. So they were able to pick us off, I think, in about eight minutes uh, when they took the first point. Uh, and we normally have a pretty good 
bounce back second point. So nothing really out of the ordinary. We'll give him the first point. Uh, we kind of moved to the second point thinking, all right, we've played a point of national championship dodgeball. It's time to, time to get back to Towson dodgeball. Uh, and the second point was actually a little bit worse than the first point. Uh, there was one sequence where I think they threw, I think two balls at us, a ball got popped up in the air. We threw a couple back people getting picked off left and right before you knew it. I think it ended up being like an 11 or a 10 on five in a matter of two minutes, uh, ended with Brandon Meisel's, uh, suicide kill on hunter friedman which is something uh, that i would uh, i would chime in on i mean he has every right to have the confidence and i don't want to if this is the right word but cockiness to, to do that but i think that seeing him walk all the way around our team just giving us the stare i think that's what really made us kick off on the second half and actually the third point before we even second half even finished but the third point in general and that's when Tiger started rolling. Can you uh, can you explain that real quick? What do you mean walking and all over your team giving you guys a stare? <laughs> so um, it actually, if you if you go back to that one page, um, there's actually a picture of the suicide. I don't know which page it was on. Um, oh, is that the image where? Um, it's on the Facebook page. Against one of our our freshmen, um, Hunter Friedman. Yep, yeah, that one right there. Yep, right there. Okay. So I believe that is the suicide to end the second point, and all of us were just. Just kind of like, ouch, that looked like it hurt, like exactly the word at the top of the screen. Yeah. I think that's um, everybody's face. Uh, yeah, and then as, as he landed and everyone started cheering and running on the court, he just kind of slowly walked all the way around our team. Just oh, look at like, this guy. Uh, <laughs> okay. This is what I do. This is, this is how we play. And I think that just kind of got us rolling. Yeah, um, I'm actually going to chime in right there. And it's funny, it's funny you say that because – Kind of noticed that too. And uh, I was – so I was actually shot clocking uh, during that game. And um, Colin O'Brien, um, one of who was also assistant refting, there was about like six or seven minutes on the clock at that point, I believe. And I told Colin while we were sitting at the balls, I was like, hey, like I actually think that uh, – it was like, like I have a strong feeling Towson's taking a point before like the end of this half. And then they ended up doing it, so I kind of spoke that into existence. Um, I also, I also kind of spoke into existence. You guys' game against Michigan State, unfortunately. Um, I told, I told, uh, I told Colin and Dylan Fettig that I thought it was going to be like a four, like a four to five point blowout, and they were like, "Well, you didn't think Michigan State was getting to the Final Four anyway, so what do you know?" And I was like. They, they said it in more of a joking way, but they thought it was going to be a close, a fairly close game. And I was just like, I don't know, man, like this Towson team's pretty good. But <laughs> anyways, that's, that's enough uh, boosting you guys' egos. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, so you end, end the first half two to one. Is that what? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that, that third point, uh, everything just started to click a little bit. Uh, we, we were able to make more throws, uh, more kind of Confidently. yeah, more confident throws uh, to get people out. We weren't scared to throw at them, and you know it, it showed that we have arms top to bottom. Uh, everybody was able to make some kills. Uh, Jordan Watt ended it with a 
with a powerful solo throw. Uh, and it got us a point with, I think, two minutes and 44 seconds left in the first half. So that time rolled over to the second half. Uh, so we went into halftime uh, with a 2-1 deficit, but uh, nothing that we haven't faced before. So, And what was what was said or discussed, if, if anything at all, during during halftime? And one thing, actually, we didn't even cover it. Like, So do you guys have a halftime? Do you have a couple minutes to regroup? Or is it just you start the next, uh, next half? Yeah, I think it's about a five-minute just kind of get a drink, talk some things over with the team, and then you switch sides and then jump back into the second half. Gotcha. So did you guys have like a huddle or I mean, is yeah, that we could... um, I'll let David chime in. On. <laughs> One thing that was said is actually kind of almost the same thing that Kevin Bailey said while he was broadcasting our game um, is that this, obviously this team has been here before. They know what to do. They probably think they already have this in the bag, even though they're only up two to one um, is that we have to play our, our style. We have to control the game. We have to be patient and wait for them to mess up. And I believe we took every opportunity to where they made the slightest mistake. It may not be a big mistake, but they made a slight one, and we took advantage of every single opportunity we got. You guys capitalized on it? Yes, sir. Nice. So, yeah, so go ahead. I guess we'll jump into that, that fourth point now. Yep. Uh, so the first point out of the second half, like David said, we were playing our style uh, pretty much to a T, uh, but Grand Valley being Grand Valley, they – they made some big plays. They got us down to, I believe it was a six or seven on two. Uh, we had Hunter Friedman, who was Hunter the Friedman, who, suicided. Mm-hmm. who was the kid who was, uh, he was hit by Brandon Meisel's suicide uh, at the end of the second point. It was him and uh, Colin Mormon, uh, who is a, a sophomore. Yes. Uh, who were the, the two lone guys in and Colin has a history of playing well against Grand Valley. Uh, I made a couple big catches in our game against them last year uh, at James Madison, but uh, they both made some fantastic catches. Uh, There were a couple throws that were made that slipped through some Grand Valley player hands that maybe they should have been catches, but they're great located throws by our guys. Uh, And in the end, I, forget who made the throw on uh, on Mormon, but Mormon had a catch from about 10, 15 feet away that that sealed that that point in the game with about 13 minutes to go. Nice. Um, who is that person that made the catch? Is, you said um, Mor- Mormon? Um, Colin Mormon, um, yeah. a sophomore. Colin Mormon, okay. So there's, there's two Collins on your team? Yeah. Got it. Also goes by Taco for some silly reason. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> we get creative with our names and numbers. <laughs> We're gonna get into some Taco. Yeah, I can tell. Taco it's embarrassment. <laughs> hey, I keep the legacy of pie going. <laughs> David so was, Ware's number is the pie symbol. To let all of the all of the viewers know about that. So there. So you allow. Uh, I guess you can kind of deviate a little bit from, I don't want to say like the professional look, but pie's allowed as a number. Now, is it the symbol? According or- to the rule book, it's not. Actually, <laughs> pie is technically a number, even though it may be represented by the symbol. <laughs> it has a numerical value. That's hilarious. Uh, yeah, I've seen pie before. Donned is a, is a dodgeball jersey, and I don't think uh, Elite will allow that anymore. So, 
fight the good fight, keep it going. Um, and so that was the fourth point, right? Yeah, that was the fourth point. So one of the big things uh, that changed in this game that wasn't really present in, uh, or well, it was present in our in the times we played them earlier this year was just which teams could close out the close points. Uh, we had a one nothing lead on Grand Valley back at our place uh, at the end of March. Uh, we had a big number situation. We couldn't close it out. Uh, and that ended up being uh, one of the deciding factors that game ended up going to overtime uh, where we ended up falling. Uh, so I think that fourth point was the point where whichever team was going to close it out really had the best opportunity to win the match and being able to come back from that big numbers deficit uh, is certainly the deciding factor. Did uh did at any point did you guys just we got this we're, we're about to win like did you start to get that feeling or that um that yeah I'm so, gonna chime in here yeah I'll let I'll let Jeff jump in here nice so talking to Colin after the game he had watched hours of film <laughs> on Grant Valley studied everything there is to know about every single player and how they play and he said. <sighs> He was trying to come up with a plan on how to beat this team. And afterwards, he said, I still have no idea what, <laughs> what we would need to do to beat this team. <laughs> it was really disbelief by every single player on the team after the game. Um, it was really just outstanding performances by everybody and clutch things that Towson doesn't normally do, which is make catches, play for each other, make blocks, and make some clutch throws, especially when we're down – and you know, you know, we had to make the clutch plays, and we did. Yeah, yeah so that's basically exactly what happened in the uh, point. So the game's tied at two. Uh, and basically, we came out, we played our style. Everybody made catches. Everybody made good throws. Uh, and we've really put them on the ropes. And I was talking to Jeff uh, when Grand Valley was playing Central Michigan in the semifinals. Uh, and he said, should Grand Valley step out here uh, to save some time? And I talked to Jeff, and I said, Grand Valley's not a team that's going to step out in any situation uh, because they're that confident that they can, they can win any point from any situation. And to see them step out with five minutes and some change left uh, to give us a 3-2 lead uh, in order to try to have some time on the clock to – to come back and force overtime, kind of ironic, but I mean, it's the right play for him. And to be honest, they probably should have stepped out a couple minutes earlier. So they they actually stepped out in in a yeah, sense. I, they ended up having two players left. David made a catch. Uh, they got him down to two, and as soon as they threw that catch, both of their players stepped out uh, over the back line, uh, which put them both out. Gave us a three-two lead. I think that was with about five minutes left. Yeah, it was five and a half minutes. Yep. So at that point, we were all very hyped. Uh, five minutes away from a national championship, but we knew that they were going to be throwing everything that they had at us uh, in that last five minutes to try to send it to overtime. And man, did they ever. Uh, I, they got... 
I think two players out right off the rush uh, and just continued to pick us off one by one. Uh, they caught every ball we tried to burn. Uh, every ball that they threw was coming in faster than they've thrown all game. But, yeah, that was the key. We gained ball control. Uh, Andrew Kerr, uh, the strategic mastermind behind Towson Dodgeball, uh, continued to make great burn throws. Uh, yeah, David sat in the back and stayed alive. Uh, and we basically just strategically used uh, a couple of timeouts. I think we used one in the point before, uh, but we had one left. Uh, we ended up calling it with six seconds left uh, in the game. We had most of the balls. And we made a throw. We called a timeout with six seconds left. For some reason, I still don't know why our clock didn't reset. So the clock was at six seconds, but our throw clock was at four seconds. So there's still a two different, uh, two second differential between the shot clock and the game clock. Uh, the plan was to have Andrew Kerr go up with Christian Cariello, who is our roommate and sitting right beside us playing some Fortnite right now. <laughs> uh, the plan was to have those two go up, have Andrew make a throw and then just have them throw back, and then we all pour out on the court in celebration. Andrew Kerr didn't make a throw, and there was a balls-over call with two seconds left. <laughs> so Grand Valley had every single ball uh, on their back line with two seconds left. Uh, so basically, we had when we have Kerr standing in front of Hunter on one side, and then Christian alone on the other side. Uh, they made 10 Hail Mary throws. One of them connected. And then the rest is just history and a blur. Man. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I, I, uh, I'm going to have to go back and watch that, Just uh, especially now that I know what the, the background is and just see if I can find that missed cue where um, Andrew no, didn't make that throw. It. I promise you. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> That's exciting. Um, yeah, I, I don't even know to say. I just I want to watch it now and um, just kind of relive and, it. And I'll, I'll give credit to to Mad City here. The way that they produced that national championship game and the way they produced all of the games on Sunday, it was absolutely incredible to go back and watch all of them. And for from what I heard from all of the from all of our fans who watched, it was an amazing production. Uh, I actually had a video uh, sent to me from uh, one of our alumni who was with. Four other alumni, each FaceTiming or calling another person, and just to rewatch their reaction to our reactions and just the overall end of the game was honestly just as rewarding and just as exciting as being there and living it for myself. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. What does it feel like knowing that people were watching you? Like, never mind the stands, but just you know, on their devices back at home. It's it's amazing to have all that support from all of our family, all of our friends. I also uh, think this is the, uh, the the start of just the NCAA blowing up completely. Um, I think based off the amount of viewers we got for the first time, having them uh, live stream our games, um, it'll increase exponentially throughout the next couple of years and maybe potentially even make it to uh, some local TV stations and just increase yeah. throughout and, time. Yeah, absolutely. I, 
huge crap. Uh, when, when the NCDA made that announcement, uh, we still hadn't received a schedule yet. So I thought it was going to be a schedule announcement when the league was, uh, they were kind of teasing us with this big announcement. Uh, and they said, they announced Mad City streaming and I didn't really make much of it, but getting there on Saturday and seeing the amount of equipment they had and then actually getting to take a look afterwards uh, at the job they did. Uh, it was absolutely amazing uh, what they created for us. Uh, and it, I hope it's something that the league continues to, to do in the future. For sure. That's awesome. <laughs> um, well, let's go on and go on to uh, just uh, well, actually you mentioned earlier in the, in, in the episode or in the podcast, you said something about an article um, that we might be able to look forward to to kind of just understand a little bit more for those that want to check it out. Do you know what I'm talking about by chance? Or Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so we got an email uh, when we were, when we landed in BWI. Uh, by the way, we flew to and from Grand Rapids, a quick, quick flex there. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, so, so once we got off the plane, we saw that we had an email from, uh, from Edward Lee from the Baltimore Sun, who's the, uh, the main newspaper for the Baltimore area. Uh, they have over 300,000 followers on Twitter. Uh, so they've reached out to us. They say that they, uh, they heard about our win over social media and they wanted to get more, uh, more information on it. So David and I spoke to him over the phone today uh, and really just gave him just a recap of our dodgeball careers and, and basically the same thing that I told, uh, I talked about today about our run. Awesome. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm assuming this will be posted on the NCDA page or we'll be able to find this. If you want yeah. To um, as soon, they're going to put it in the paper, I would guess within the next day or two. Uh, so as soon as we get our hands on that article, we'll definitely be sharing it with the league, uh, sharing it on our social media and just spreading it around as much as we can. Yeah, for sure. If you don't mind dropping in the group chat and I'll put it on the uh, podcast wall too, just so we can have yeah, reference. And absolutely. More imagery. Awesome. Um, well, very cool. Let, let's um, let's go ahead and wrap up. Um, but before we do that, I just want to get any final thoughts. Um, and then Hunter, we'll go with you. And then yeah, just any any final thoughts? Just kind of looking back at the whole thing. If there's anything you just wanted to to mention before we uh, bring this to a close. As far as final thoughts on the event as a whole, um, I once again want to give a plug to. Um, all of the great people who helped make this event go um, as smoothly as this as it did. Um, once again, the Mad City production was a really big part of it, and I to I realized again I messed up on a laugh. I messed up on a, a name. Um, should have should have been Greg Kolzik as the guy who was the main photographer. I think I said Zerlik or something like that. <coughs> um, so Greg my apologies there, Greg. Greg. Greg yeah, Greg did a. Um, Greg did an incredible job with that for us. Um, Felix mentioned that this was his last, uh, this was his last nationals as president of the NCDA because his term was up. Um, and once again, um, Felix has been very instrumental in the growth of the league and getting it to where it is now. So um, I think he was more than satisfied to see um, that his last, his last nationals as president, uh, you know, ended in such a, in such an impactful way and um, overall was really successful. Um, also want to give uh, give a shout out to Brandon Meisel for his work as director of nationals. 
um, being a guy who was just in his shoes exactly one year ago. Um, you know, that's a really, it's a really big privilege um, and also a lot of responsibility to fulfill that role. So um, major props and major props to him for helping it go as smoothly as it did. Um, besides that, um, being a guy who played at VCU, we're very familiar with playing against Towson for a long time. Um, and I've played against um, a lot of Towson greats in the past and uh, a lot of, and pretty much all of the guys who are on Towson's team currently as well. And, um, you know, to see, to see another team that um, I've associated with a lot over the years um, win the whole thing, and especially in the way that, you know, it happened was uh, definitely a, a pretty proud moment. Um, we mentioned, you know, we've talked about regions and that sort of thing as well, and I think there's a little bit of regional pride in there as well to see, um, you know, the teams that you compete with on a, on a frequent basis, you know, achieving, achieving greatness at the highest level, um, you know, is certainly a, certainly a really big thing. Um, in the coming, in the coming weeks, I think we can expect to see, um, a lot of recap stuff from the NCDAs, uh, from the NCAA website, including articles, uh, highlighting, you know, our selections for an all tournament team. Um, and, we're going to, we'll probably talk about in a little bit, but potential um, all Americans and MVP candidates um, along with, um, you know, just some other big observations from the tournament itself. So for those listening, there's still plenty of content to be um, displayed uh, in the coming, in the coming days and weeks. So uh, stay on the lookout for that. Awesome. And then also just to kind of piggyback on what you're saying, I think Mad City agreed to produce or at least like a couple, like release the footage and we should see like a good three to five minute like promo of, of the event, right? Like that's something we could also look forward to. Yeah, we, um, so they actually are going to, uh, that's a, that's a good point. Uh, so they are going to actually um, work on some editing stuff, uh, basically just making sure that they can cut out some of like delays and, um, you know, improve on some, uh, you know, audio and video recording quality. And they're actually going to re-air um, all of the games that they recorded on Saturday, um, April 20th. So everyone should be on the lookout for that. It'll be a great opportunity to um, further get an idea of what college dodgeball is all about, see some of the, you know, exciting games from this past weekend and, um you know, really put the continue to put the NCDA on the map and um, show our brand of dodgeball. Awesome, that's very cool. And uh, yeah, I feel very very spoiled to be able to talk about it with you guys uh, firsthand, and, and definitely want this to to spread as much as possible. And I think uh, just listening uh, to what went down, and even talking about it beforehand, um, you guys got a lot of awesome stuff going on. I'm, I'm very jealous. Um, this is definitely something I wish I had back in my day when I was playing uh, through college. But um, Colin, let's go to you. Um, final thoughts, and I, I kind of want to leave with just what's what's next for Towson. I mean, are you going to leave it in good hands? I mean, now everybody's going to be looking to you as the, uh, as, the as your team to to beat. Um, have you even thought that far? Or are you still kind of letting everything just sink in? I mean, it's still sinking in right now. Uh, just a few hours, just. In the aftermath, it's it still hasn't really hit for me. It's it's indescribable, really. 
uh, to really just have three years of almost heartbreak and then just have a moment of just pure excitement. And it, it's, it's unbelievable really. Uh, but yeah, being the, being the holders now, uh, I feel like, uh, we've done a good enough job to, to leave the club in good hands. I'm very confident with, uh, with the guys that we have coming back that they'll be able to, to do some good recruiting, having a trophy and having a national championship under our belt will certainly, uh, help the recruiting process, uh, as far as our reload goes, and I won't say rebuild because it's never a rebuild for us. It's always reloading talent. Uh, and I'm very confident with our group to be able to get back to the same stage uh, at nationals next year. Awesome. We'll definitely be looking out for, uh, for Towson and, and seeing, you know, the difference between this year and next year. And like I said, I mean, all eyes are probably going to be on, on you guys and, and taking that trophy from you. So it's exciting to see uh, what's going to come along. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, huge congratulations uh, to you, Jeff, David, and all the other players of Towson. I mean, just the, the buildup from our discussion during the pre-cap, like, if I had to pick a favorite, it would have been Towson just from the amount of times you guys were mentioned by Kevin Felix and um, and Jacob. So to see this come full circle is really cool, um, especially to be able to talk to somebody from Towson, especially since I don't know anybody. It's, uh, <laughs> it's really cool. Um, Definitely, like I said, I'm, I'm I'm fanboying pretty hard for for next year already, and um, I guess before we move on to the the final question, and you guys might not be privy to this, but uh, I don't know if you guys know the Rainbows, um, Sean Anderson, and this uh, and Sergio Leon from um, from Southern Revolver, um, some of the elite based teams. They started this like team taco versus pizza thing, and I'm gonna help try to put an end to it and find a declare winner at the end of my season. So I must ask all anybody that's recapping and, and as a guest of the show just what is your preference taco versus pizza and uh hunter uh for you uh what what's your preference are you team taco or team pizza man that's a that's a really unfortunate thing um because both foods really have their perks um <laughs> oh, it's actually about advantage, advantages and disadvantages that are associated with each of them um, you can't really go wrong with either depending on the type of mood. Um, but I would say in terms of, <clears throat> I would say in terms of a consistent presence and, um, appeal, I'd have to be team pizza, uh, strictly for the fact that pizza just realistically is more filling than tacos. Um, you can, you know, take it as like one slice or you can eat the old pizza and save it later. You can't really save tacos for later in the same instance unless you want to just save the individual meat, I suppose. But uh, I'll, I would have to side with Team Pizza, but not because I hate tacos, but just for you know the more factual pieces that make pizza better. Looking at it from a practical perspective as well, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> that's probably the best. Uh, that's probably the best answer I've heard so far, uh, regardless if it was pizza or taco. Uh, Colin, how about you? Pizza every day, twice on Sunday. Nice. That's, that's all. I don't have an in-depth analysis like Hunter had. Just go with your heart, man. Um, Jeff, how about you? Taco or pizza? Um, I had to go pizza except on Tuesday. Pizza except on Tuesday. Fair. Um, 
but we'll we'll track that as a win for pizza. And uh, last but not least, David. Um, I see. I, I like foreign food, but I'm, even though I'm lactose intolerant, I'm gonna have to say pizza mainly because you can just get much. There's just a bigger variety of types of pizza. I mean, taco is a taco. Yeah, you can get a burrito, same stuff. Just maybe add some lettuce if you're from California, maybe some French fries. But I'm gonna have to go pizza. Fantastic. Racking them up for pizza. I love it. Um, yeah, we're, we're going to keep score. And at the end of the end of the season, somebody's going to be declared a winner. And uh, it'll, it'll be great. Hopefully pizza comes up ahead. But um, guys, I, I cannot thank you so much for, or cannot thank you enough for, for hopping on and, and just kind of just sharing more of your world with me. And I hope that uh, the people that are listening um, either are just get more interested in, in starting a chapter or excuse me, a club with the NCDA, either tune into more of your events or um, if you're like, if you're in my situation where you're just, you're beyond college, just help recruit and build and contribute to what I think is just an amazing program. And um, as I've said in the past, you know, I've known about you guys for, for years, I think since 2005, when I was trying to get something over here at the University of Arizona. And I was always jealous of just um, how put together this organization was. And I mean, crap i was i was impressed then now i'm just like completely floored and again just being able to kind of get a better sense of the who's who and the what's what of it it's um it's something that's just insanely exciting for me to to watch and i'm, I'm really looking forward to, to next year and getting to know more players and um yeah just just live as much of it as i can so um i think we'll go ahead and end the interview there Alrighty, so that was a pretty thorough recap of the 15th annual NCDA championships that took place this past weekend, uh, April 14th, and uh, just huge congratulations to Towson University for just causing what I imagine that massive upset of of just breaking the the, the potential seven peat from Grand Valley State University, and and just taking the title and being the 15th champion uh, from the NCDA. I, I cannot think of anything more exciting. And um, I cannot wait to go back and just relive some of those matches that was discussed in this recap and just um, understand more of the, uh, the nuances that were taking place between the teams and some of the stories that um, up until this recap and last week's precap, I probably would not have been privy to. Um, huge shout out to, to Jeff, David, and Colin for, for helping, re, helping me relive that and for Hunter for helping me reconstruct what went down this past weekend. The more of the NCDA I get to know about and learn and understand, just the more excited I get about it. And I am already looking forward to, to next season, next year, and just seeing where these clubs um, develop and, and where they end up and if Towson's going to be able to um, defend the championship. I mean, it, it's it's a massive organization. They There's just so much to offer. And with Mad City stepping up and providing a quality product, I just, um, I'm just, yeah, I, I'm fanboying pretty hard right now. So... Um, anyway, as I said, huge congratulations to Towson. Huge thank you again, Jeff, David, Colin, for hopping on. Thank you again, Hunter, as well. Um, I can't thank you guys enough. Um, for me to be able to just be completely in the dark to being able to understand um, what I do now from a couple hours of conversation, especially late into the night, I, I cannot thank you guys enough. And I cannot thank um, anybody that comes on to this podcast to share their story and talk about their experiences enough. Um, a lot of teams and a lot of names that I don't think I would have ever come across have been mentioned. And I'm excited also to see if they make the transition from NCDA to Elite Dodgeball. So uh, names have been mentioned. They're now stamped. They belong to the archives of history, and we'll see if we'll we'll hear them in the future. So, 
without further ado, uh, depending on when this releases, have a great uh, rest of your evening, a great rest of your week, and we'll see you next time.